Welcome to the Mesmerizing Marketing Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the latest marketing trends, tools, and tips, and provide you with the top resources you need to thrive and make your marketing mesmerizing. And now, here's your host, Dimple Dang. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm super excited to be here with Tim Parkin, who is the president of Parkin Consulting. And we're going to be talking about how silver bullets don't exist and how to find the best marketing practice for your company and for your business. So, Tim, it's such an honor to have you on my show. Welcome and tell the audience a little bit more about yourself and your background. Well, I'm excited to be here. I am a marketing advisor, so I'm an advisor to marketing executives, marketing teams globally. And I like to say I help them transform their teams from chaos and insignificant growth to a high performance team with true reliable processes that consistently deliver record breaking results. And I'm also fortunate to have been featured and contributed to Ad Age, Ad Week, TechCrunch, Inc. Magazine, and many others. I love that. So how long have you been a consultant with your own company? And before that, what were you doing prior? It's been an interesting journey. Yeah, I started out in software development, actually. And I was working with many companies and startups on developing products and things of the nature. But what I realized is they had awesome products. We were building really cool things, but no one was interested in them. No one really cared. And that's when it clicked for me. I realized they didn't have a product problem or a software problem. They had a marketing problem. And that really got me interested in, you know, what is this marketing thing all about and how can we help people, you know, create wonderful things, but then market them and reach the audience that they're intended to serve. Yeah. And I mean, I've been in marketing for so many years and that's what I've done. You know, I'm just wondering what have you found, especially recently, because times have changed. Like what have you found, let's say, you know, all of last year in 2021, what are some of the most common mistakes that business owners and entrepreneurs are making when it comes to their marketing? I think there's two really big mistakes that marketers make. The first is trying to do too much, right? There's only so much time and budget and capacity. And even, you know, a lot of my clients are enterprise level companies and you'd think they have a lot of people, they have a lot of budget, but even then there's, there's only so much time and so much capacity that you can actually manage. So that's a huge issue that, that marketers and organizations need to solve for, and they need to prioritize ruthlessly. But the second, which is an epidemic in marketing, especially, is this emphasis on copying other people or the status quo or chasing silver bullets, however you want to describe it. We spend far too much time and energy looking at what other people are doing and assuming that that works and trying to do it ourselves. And that's going to lead you nowhere. You know what? That's really interesting because I know a lot of my clients in the past, they would always say, oh, well, look at this person's YouTube channel and look at what they're doing and look at this and look at that. And they're always looking at their competitors in a way they're kind of studying what they're doing and they're saying, well, they have more followers than we do, so they must be doing something right. So why don't we try to duplicate or replicate, you know, or somehow mirror what they're doing? And this is what I've heard for so many years, Tim. And I guess I don't see like a huge problem in that, but... I guess my question to you, Tim, is what are, you know, what are some of the biggest issues or roadblocks when it comes to that? There's a couple. Yeah, I think the biggest and the most obvious is that just because someone else does something, you don't have their analytics, you don't see their sales reports, you know, you don't know what the response really is to that. 
And so we make a lot of assumptions often based on perception, you know, it looks like they're successful. It looks like they're growing. Let's do what they've done. But, you know, you can't rely on that because you have no idea if that's true or not. It could be true, but it could be not true. And so it's really important that we challenge those assumptions of how successful other people are or what's working for them, because often you can't see the full picture and you don't know what other pieces they have in place, or what they've done in order for that to be successful if it is successful. So just because someone else is doing something doesn't mean you should do it. But there's a much more important reason of why you shouldn't copy other people, and that's customers, your audience. They can get tired of seeing the same thing. You're not as differentiated if you do the same thing. And more importantly, you may be sitting on a gold mine and not realize it and miss it because you're just focused on doing what everyone else is doing rather than finding your own special sauce, if I can call it that, that works for you and works for your audience. Because I think you have to keep in mind that your industry, your audience, you know, the product and service you sell is unique to you. And on top of that, you know, your brand, your voice, your messaging, all have the opportunity to be unique. But too often we choose to be undifferentiated rather than make ourselves stand out. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think a lot of business owners, when they're doing that as well, you're right. They can't see behind the hood, right? They can't see behind the scenes. They don't see the reports. They don't see the analytics. And they also don't see how much money that particular client has invested in a specific marketing campaign or strategy or a platform to yield those results. And maybe people assume, oh, well, they put 30 videos out there and they have a million followers and we can do that too. But that's not necessarily true. And I think it's a false assumption, right? It's, it's that I'm assuming because they did it, then the same thing is going to work for us. But the thing is, you don't really know the secret sauce, right? You're looking at it, but you don't know the secret formula. You really have to know behind the scenes, like what are the tools that they used? to set up their campaigns? What are they using to research behind the scenes to get you know, competitive data? Like also the analytics, the keywords, the strategy. And I think that there's so much involved and not to mention that every single social media platform out there changes so quickly. And what worked six months ago for someone else may not work anymore. And then you're left scratching your head wondering why it's not working, right? So you're saying that Okay, every business owner and every company and every enterprise should have their own unique way of doing things and unique way of doing their marketing. So how do they develop that, Tim? How do they start coming up with those ideas to be original, but that they can still take some inspiration away from other people? Absolutely. That's a great distinction that you have to be different. You have to try new things, but you can learn things from other people. It's just don't copy and paste them. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in a meeting, you know, with executives talking about campaign or some strategy and saying, let's look at the competition. <laughs> let's see what they're doing and just do that. You know, and it's absurd that, that that is the status quo. That's what people expect when you talk about marketing. So I think it's okay to draw inspiration, but look outside of your competitors, look to industries that are completely unrelated. You know, I love getting all sorts of email newsletters from all sorts of businesses, some that I frequent, some that I don't because you can see what they're doing from an email marketing perspective and you can learn a lot from that. You know, one of them that I really love is this cupcake business, Baked by Melissa, and they have just so many emails and, and they're so interesting to look at. And so I learned a lot from that, you know, and you can see what's successful for them, but it's unrelated to my clients' industries or businesses, but it's what can we take from that and learn. So you can definitely look outside of your com competition. And also I think media and books, you know, think about your daily life and, and Netflix and how you use it and consume it and Amazon, their website. 
even if you're not in e-commerce, there's a lot you can learn about how Amazon builds their business and operates and how the site functions. So just take inspiration everywhere. I think there's so many so much opportunity for that. But also you have to be unafraid to try new things. And I'll give you an example here and to brag a little bit, you know, my wife has an Instagram account of over 100,000 followers. But at one point she had 40,000 followers and she exploded from 40K to 100K very rapidly because she tried something completely different and new. She was doing something that obviously got her to a decent place, but it wasn't until she made that shift that things just completely unlocked for her because her audience found something that they really wanted because she was unafraid to fail and try something new. And this is a big problem, you know, the bigger company you work with because there's so much bureaucracy and resistance to trying things that could fail when your job feels like it's on the line. So to smaller businesses, uh, to entrepreneurs, you know, this is your advantage uh, to try things, to experiment, to put yourself out there and just realize that not everything will work, but eventually you'll stumble upon something that will work. Yeah, that's a great point, Tim, because entrepreneurship is all about taking risks, right? You're able to make those decisions and then live by them. But when you work for a bigger company or in, or in corporate America or an enterprise, you have to go through so much red tape. And it takes so many people just to get approval, even on a marketing campaign sometimes. And especially like if it's a new initiative, it's not that simple. So you're right. If they have the liberty to make those decisions, to be able to pivot, I think that's amazing. But when it comes to companies that are really trying to differentiate themselves from their competition, what have you found in terms of, for example, their social media strategy, right? Let's say that they're a contractor and normally they're going to post about the type of work that they do. They're going to show pictures of the before, the after, the jobs, the crews, the entire process, right? What do you think is missing from that element? Because that's what everyone else is doing and they model after that. But what's missing that maybe they're not doing that you've noticed that, okay, this may be the missing sauce. This may be the missing piece. There's two really interesting things to that question. The first is people are three-dimensional. You know, we have depth. I have personality. I have hobbies. I have different interests. And it's okay to express those, especially if you're an entrepreneur or a small business. People want to hear that. You know, and even with my clients, I'm a professional level amateur magician. And so I, I did magic as a young age. I thought I'd be a professional magician one day. That obviously didn't pan out, but I still perform magic, you know, at client meetings, at conventions and conferences. It's a great networking tool. And so I think people love that and it's extremely memorable. I actually posted about magic on LinkedIn recently and I had two people who I haven't talked to in 20 years comment and say, I remember the trick you did for me still. And so that's the, the magic, if I can say that, of being a real person and being a human. And so if you have a business, if you're you know, a contractor, post on social media about who you are, about your family, about your hobbies, about how you spend your free time, that's acceptable. And it's also wanted by your audience. They want to know who you are. And the same is true with big brands or big companies, especially in B2B. You know, this is humans, you know, human to human marketing. And so you need to have the employees be visible and present. And so if you have a team of people, you know, show the behind the scenes, get to introduce your employees, show what they're working on in their personal lives. People want to get to know the people behind it. But the second part of this is having a differentiated perspective and standing out from the noise because there's a lot of noise out there. And I think the best, most recent example that comes to my mind is T-Mobile, uh, of which I was a customer for a long time and now I'm not. But, you know, they had the whole uncarrier movement where it was, we're not even a carrier. We don't consider ourselves a carrier. We're different from those guys. And, you know, we'll pay your switching costs and we'll give you Netflix for free 
you know, if you sign up as a customer. Every Tuesday, we'll give away free stuff on our app. They've done a lot of things to make themselves stand out as we're not one of them. And I think that's the biggest takeaway, whether you're a small business or a big business, is how can you put yourselves apart from the competition, not just say we're better or we're cheaper or we're faster, but we're completely different. We're not like them. That's the key. Yeah, we're not like them and we're different. But also, I think earlier what you're trying to convey about being open to pivot, being open to try new things and not being scared, if maybe it doesn't take off on the flip coin, what if it does take off, right? Like the example of what you shared about your wife and then that one little thing that she changed, right? It was a very intentional decision to make that change and it resulted in like, what, about 60,000 more followers, right? That's pretty amazing. And I'm sure that when she's making that decision, the mental mindset behind it, I'm sure she was scared and I'm sure she did it scared, but the thing is she believed in it. And I think the next time she had to do something that involved a big decision, it just got a little bit easier and easier because she already did it one time, right? Or maybe she did it twice, but I think it's about programming our mind and our brain to also do things that sometimes require you to take a risk. I think a lot of people follow the crowd and I think a lot of business owners or companies are just following what everyone else is doing, but they're not really becoming the leaders to actually set the stage of what should be done, of how it should be done differently. And maybe you should be following us and setting the example. And that's a difficult thing to do, right? Because there is so much involved, right? But how have you seen some companies that have done that and done it successfully? That's a really good perspective about the cultural side of it and just developing as a habit and training yourself. That's okay. I I think of it like dancing. A lot of people who are bad at dancing are afraid to even try because they're bad at dancing. I'm talking about myself here. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, you feel like if I if I try to dance, I'm going to be awkward. People look at me. They'll make fun of me. And so you don't try or you try, you know, half heartedly and then you look like a fool. But the people who are good at dancing can just let go and just, you know, put themselves out there and it makes it a lot easier, you know, to be good at dancing. So I think to your point, yes, we need to develop that muscle of trying new things. And Amazon is, you know, one of the greatest examples of this. You know, they had the Fire Phone a couple of years ago, complete disaster, completely failed. They wasted tons of money on it. But what if it worked? You know, it would have taken over and it would have been the next big thing. And so that's the mindset that we have to have is this could be the next thing. Maybe it's not, but let's give it a try. And so if companies, if startups, if entrepreneurs want to develop this, you need a process to do this because to your point, it's a hard thing to do. It's hard to get yourself to to have the courage to try this. So I would encourage them to have a process for this. And we have a formalized process that I use with my clients, but anybody can adopt this, which is basically create a list of all the things you could do, prioritize those and rank them based on their possibility that the potential, a good framework is called PI, which is potential importance and ease to say, you know, how much potential does this have to be improved? Uh, how important is it that we change this thing? And how easy, how much effort would it take to change it? And once you have that prioritized list, then just go through and start testing things and seeing what changes you can make and if they have a positive impact or not. I'm oversimplifying here, of course, but that's the general process is you have to start somewhere. So brainstorm a bunch of ideas, rank them, and then just start taking action and schedule that into your schedule, whether it's monthly or quarterly or biweekly to try something new all the time. And the more things you try, the more at-bats you have to find something that works. I love the idea of trying new things. 
but where are they getting their inspiration from and where are they getting all of these ideas? Because I know that the audience is listening right now and probably wondering, well, it sounds great in theory, but how do I do that? Yeah, the best place to start is your head because you probably have some ideas already that popped in your mind right now if you're listening to this of, you know, I've been thinking about this thing for a while. Maybe I should redo that. So I would, I would encourage you to start by challenging your assumptions. You know, what are you already doing and what's not working? Because if it's not working, you should either stop it or change it or there's probably something to be improved there. So start there. The second thing is what I call mystery shopping. You know, have you know, a friend, a partner, anybody, even yourself, go through your business and act as if you're a customer. Go to your website, call your number, try to buy something and go through that process. You will be shocked at the things that you find or that someone you ask to do this finds. They're just common sense that you overlooked or they're outdated. So those are things to take care of or to test and say, what if we did it differently? What if we improve this part of the process? And of course, go to your customers, ask your customers, you know, do a survey, call up some customers and say, you know, what can we do differently? Or how did you feel about this? Or what if we changed our website or our emails or our social media? Should we do more videos? Should we not do more videos? Ask them for their feedback, take it with a grain of salt, but at least ask them for their feedback. Those are three really easy places to get started that you can do this week. And I'd encourage you to do so. So ask for feedback. And I think a huge part of what you're saying is experimentation, right? experimenting with different concepts, different ideas. And again, it's about being open-minded and not set in old ways of thinking and just being open to new, modern, innovative ideas and technology. And I think the issue I see there is a lot of companies that are still old school and they didn't grow up at a time when, you know, there were platforms like Instagram and TikTok are they were not really even using them, right? And how do you convince someone like that who's set in their old ways, right? Because they think nobody goes to social media for my industry, right? Or for my business. And you know, I've heard that from people before. And back in the day, I remember when I used to sell the yellow pages, people were like, oh, no one looks for me in there. And then they're like, no one looks online, you know? So like, what do you say to that? I say in five years, you'll be out of business. <laughs> yeah, you know, those people, some people won't listen and that's okay. It's not for everyone, but social media now more than ever is a good example of something that's become more viable to generate opportunities and real business, especially even in the B2B world. You know, I think five, 10 years ago, people thought social media is for people and it's for buying stuff. It's not for businesses to do big business on. And now that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, look at what's happening with LinkedIn and Microsoft acquiring them and all the activity that's happening there. I mean, it's tremendous. And so I think any channel, any platform can work. It's a matter of getting in front of your ideal audience. So knowing where they're at and what they're doing is key. And some people don't realize, you know, like TikTok, oh, this is a fad or it's not going to last or that's for young kids. Well, at one point, Facebook was for young kids too, you know, and now look at it, you know, the size of it, the enormity of it, and it's got all types of people on there. So we can't overlook these things. And some people, you can't change their opinion, but people need to realize that, as you said, marketing changes so fast, even daily, and you need to be experimenting and putting yourself out on all of these platforms and channels and all sorts of places, because you never know where your next hit is going to come from and where your next opportunity you know, might land. So you could blow up on TikTok, or maybe you start a YouTube and it, it explodes. I'll tell you a quick story about YouTube. There's a, a publisher, a big publisher you recognize, who had a YouTube channel, and they said, we don't, we don't know anything about YouTube. YouTube interns, go ahead and run this and do whatever you want. 
And so the interns did. And because the interns knew about their audience and because they were basically the audience themselves, they created this YouTube channel and they grew it to millions of subscribers. And then the publisher said, oh, there's something to do with this. We should take it over and run with it. So you can't underestimate the value of any channel or any platform. It's a matter of how you use it. And it's a matter of, again, trying new things. And so you have to dedicate the time to doing that and have the courage to put yourself forward and try it. Yeah, Tim, are you allowed to say which YouTube channel this was? I can't remember the exact name, but it's owned by HarperCollins and it's in the book industry. And I know that because my wife is, uh, is in the book industry. And yeah, it's, uh, sadly, they took it over after it exploded. And uh, it's kind of fallen apart and fallen to the wayside a little bit because, you know, corporate said, now let's run this as a business and not, not as much as a, a YouTube run by two people who knew what they were doing. But it goes to show that, you know, you don't have to be uh, a formalized business or have experience in this. You just have to know your audience and know what they want. And, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you have more insight than ever, anybody else. As a small business, you have the agility, you know, beyond anything else. It's really the big brands, big comp corporations who struggle with this the most. So my point is, there's no excuse. You know, no one has an excuse for trying out these platforms, testing them and putting things out there and continually testing and iterating and improving. It is the only way to success. You're not going to find a book or a video or a podcast or a guru or anything that tells you the secret to anything. You know, they'll give you good advice, certainly, but you have to take that advice and apply it and test and find what works for you. Yeah. So basically, there's no magic formula that you can apply it to your business and then your business is going to be successful in a year. I think it's more about determining what are the things that you can try that maybe you have confidence in and then test those things and then perfect them and then test them and perfect them. So yeah, that does make a lot of sense. And Tim, what industries and sectors do you primarily work with? It's all across the board and it surprises me. So internet companies, insurance companies, pet companies, B2C, B2B, it's, it's everything and everything in between. And so I benefit quite a bit from that because I, I have a diversity of perspective and I see you know, what works and what doesn't work. And it's shocking you know, when you see how little experimentation and testing is actually going on in all companies, but then how simple some of it can be. And I'll give you an example. One of my clients is in the pet industry and they have an e-commerce store and their store does you know, millions of dollars a year. But I noticed that their cart button on the top of the site was very small and hard to find. So what would happen is you'd add something to your cart and you couldn't find the cart button to click on it. Sounds really stupid. So I told them, let's make the cart button really big. And so we ran a test and we made the cart button really big and it increased conversions on the site dramatically. And they saw a 3% increase in revenue year over year. I mean, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars from one simple change that took four weeks to test. So you just have to find these things and they can seem really small and really simple but they can have a profound impact. And there's also a compounding effect here as well that you know small changes build on each other and increase the effectiveness of them the more you do. So this is why it's not about you know one big thing that's gonna be your ticket to success, you're gonna go viral. It's about a bunch of small things that you tested and found success with and add those all up. And if I may give some advice here, I, I have what I call experiment zero, which is just pick one thing, I don't care what it is, and just test it, just get started. It doesn't matter if you know how to test it. It doesn't matter if it's the right thing to test. Just pick something and test it. And that will get you, as you said, into that habit, into that mindset that this is fun, it's challenging, and it can be rewarding. You never know what success you'll have. Yeah, I think that's good advice. I mean, I think that's the step one in getting out there and doing it and implementing. And if it works, you can perfect it and you can keep doing it. 
And if it doesn't work, at least you know that you tried it. And maybe the concept failed, but you can come up with another concept and the new concept may actually take off, right? So when you think about the psychology of when you're helping all of these corporations and enterprises and businesses and business owners, right? And then they have clients. So when you're thinking in terms of what's going to appeal to their clients, right? The psychology, how does this brand, how does this company make their clients feel? What are your thoughts in terms of the psychology of getting clients to react and take action on whatever it is that you're selling or providing? Because I think you can put everything out there, but how do you actually get people to take action? And what type of psychology goes behind the emotions that you want them to feel when they see your marketing and when they see your branding? That's an interesting and good question. There's there's a couple of things that come to mind. You know, the first is you have to talk to your customers. And that sounds really obvious, but the reality is no one does. And you'd be shocked at how many companies I talked to who <laughs> the last time they talked to their customers was years ago. You know, so so ask your customers, talk to your customers, get to know your customers. The more you do that, the more you'll understand that psychology you're referring to and what triggers them, what resonates with them, what they're upset about, what they, their hopes are. So you have to talk to your customers and not just how did you like our service one to 10, you know, who are they and what drives them and what are their real aspirations and things of that nature. So you have to get deep with them. A good way to do that is to just call up and, and talk to a customer for 15 minutes. You don't have to do this for hundreds of customers, but call up five customers and talk to them for 15 minutes and just quiz them about, you know, what are they doing? Why did they buy your product and what were they trying to accomplish? What do they want to get out of it? Those sorts of things. So have real customer interviews. Talking to customers is key. The second part though, is your VIP customers. There's a small subset of all of our customers that are just so loyal, have spent the most money with us, have been with us the longest. Why is that? You really need to understand that because those people are the secret, the key to understand the psychology of what someone like that is like. So the more you can replicate your VIPs, the easier and the more successful your business will become. And also as part of that is, is referrals, but that's a whole side conversation. You know, Talk to your VIPs and get them to refer business to you, please, because it's just the easiest way to double your business overnight, but no one does that. So do that. But the third part too, is really being a customer yourself. Some of my clients, they hire people who are customers and you're seeing this happen more and more with influencers. Influencers really understand their audience. And so companies who work with influencers have a huge advantage because the influencer knows the audience, knows the right words to use, understands those emotions and the psychology and can have better results, frankly, than even the company can. So find influencers or hire these people as your employees, as your team members, or work with them or watch them and learn from them because they get it. They know both the audience and, what, and, and how they respond and they know the marketing channels and tactics to use to combine that response with the technology and the platforms to have the highest success. So talk to your customers, figure out who your VIPs are and understand why they're VIPs or how they became VIPs. And then look at influencers or acquire them or work with them or partner them or hire them because they've got it figured out. Yeah, I love that. That makes sense. Who is your ideal client that you can describe who would benefit from basically what it is that you do in terms of consulting with them and what level of consulting is that? meaning that you're going to provide them with ideas and strategy, and then they need to go out and actually do the work and they need to go out and implement. Absolutely. Yeah. So my ideal client typically is a pretty large business, you know, 500 million, 750 million and up. I work with teams mostly. So if you have a marketing team, you know, five people, 
20 people, 80 people. You know, that's where I have the best success with my clients because I help them create process, reliable, repeatable results from that team. The problem in marketing is that marketers have so many demands on themselves and it's hard to organize that and, and streamline it and then optimize the performance of that. So that's really my sweet spot. But yeah, in terms of how I operate, most of my work is advisory. So I'm guiding my clients through, here's the challenges, here's what you should do, and here's what your team should do about it. But there's many times that it is, I'd say somewhat hands-on, helping them build those processes, navigate those issues, you know, coaching certain team members around certain challenges. So I get to see the front lines quite a bit and it's good and bad. You see, you get the benefits of having real impact, having real change, but you also see how crazy just the insides of these companies are. And marketing is a mess, you know, marketing is messy and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think we can all, you know, level up our game and do better. Yeah, I agree. Everyone can level up more. I'm sure like the larger organizations, if they have a larger marketing team, it takes longer, but how long does it normally take to work with a company and, and they start seeing some results? Yeah, we like to see results in the first 90 days, at least. If we can't do that, then there's, there's no point. We're not making progress. But most of my clients, I'm fortunate, you know, those turn into long-term, multi-year relationships. There's, there's a lot to improve. And the smart companies, the successful companies realize that uh, there's always continual room for improvement and, and more to learn and more to streamline. And as you grow, you get bigger, you have more people, there's more to do there. So it's a never-ending <laughs> process, which is good for me and good for my clients. It keeps me, keeps me pretty busy. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you think, besides companies not being open-minded to new things, besides them not being willing to try new things, what do you think it is, like something else? Like, have you seen a pattern that's really significant in terms of being detrimental to their business? So in addition to what we've talked about, Tim, is there anything else that you've noticed or found? I think the skills gap is a big issue in marketing. What I mean by that is we often assume that we can figure something out or that we have the skills that we need. And what I've seen is that we don't, you know, across the board, uh, there's more you can learn and you have to stay up to date on the latest, you know, platforms and channels and tactics and all that stuff. And so if you don't have that expertise, you know, work with someone who does, you know, an agency or a partner or a freelancer or whatever. And if you're trying to do it yourself, it helps to sharpen the ax, so to speak, before you try to chop down the tree. And so that means getting up to speed on what's happening. You know, you had a recent episode on this podcast about Instagram and the new features that are coming out. That's a great example. You know, people need to be listening to that to hear what's happening with these platforms to take advantage of those features. Because oftentimes, you know, you get a, a benefit by being one of the first users because like reels on Instagram, for example, still not a lot of people are doing reels on Instagram. So if you start doing reels on Instagram, you can grow pretty quickly. So it's things like that, that keeping up to date on the latest and what's happening and giving yourself the opportunity and the time to improve your skills is really important. I mean, don't fall in the trap of only doing that. You have to execute as well, but you don't want to be trying to improve your results and, and get success without knowing what you're doing and having the best opportunity and the best chance of that success. Yeah, I agree. There's so many new platforms and things that are launching. And I mean, social audio is huge right now. And I am on a lot of the social audio apps and there's a lot of new ones even launching. Um, actually interviewed for my podcast, one of my good friends, Robert Hanna, he was chosen out of millions of people to be one of the 200 beta testers for LinkedIn social audio. And that's going to be pretty amazing too, because LinkedIn is a huge platform and there's so many people on there. And I think that it's going to be a game changer for professionals. 
And, you know, LinkedIn has so many people that are not necessarily on Instagram or vice versa, right? So what we're seeing is a lot of the people that were a little bit being against using LinkedIn, they're now actually flocking to LinkedIn because of the live audio rooms. And they don't want to miss out on this great, you know, revolution of social audio. They don't want to miss out on business opportunities and making business connections. So I think even if it opens up to the public shortly, you know, like of of people there, like they're going to start going more and more to that platform as well. And I think it's going to be a game changer. And that's going to be something that organizations also need to start thinking about. They need to be open to new things like social audio and podcasting and creating short form video content in the form of Instagram reels, TikTok, YouTube shorts. And, you know, now like these type of things, they're no longer just for people that are influencers. I mean, these type of social media strategies are for anyone and everyone who wants to build a personal brand. And even if you work for a larger organization, you should still be spending time on building your personal brand. And I think that marketing professionals need to be focusing on their own brand in addition to the brand that they're creating for the organization because people are going to look at that too. They're definitely going to look at that. If you're handling a campaign, they're going to see, well, what does your page look like, right? And I think that in 2022... That's just a norm of how business works, right, Tim? Absolutely. Well said. Yeah, it's so important. And I think everything you said too, it's such an exciting time, right? To just be living in that, or to be in the marketing industry in particular, that we get to play with all this stuff and see it all happen right before our eyes. And there's so much opportunity in the social audio is a huge movement, which is really interesting to watch, you know, on, on my perspective from the sidelines to some degree to see what's going to happen with it and how it will take over. So. There's no shortage of things to do in marketing, (laughs) good or bad, but it also means that there's a lot of things for us to test and to try and to experiment with. And as long as we can divide our time appropriately and try one thing at a time and and make time for all of it, you know, you can find success. There's no shortage of opportunity out there. We just have to take the action, execute and capitalize on it. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about taking action. Even if it's imperfect action, you have to take it and that's where your wins are going to come from. So thank you so much, Tim. If there's anything I didn't ask or anything else you wanted to share with the audience, feel free. Other than that, I'd love for you to share with the audience how they can get a hold of you and your website address. And we'll definitely link everything in the show notes. Thanks so much. It's been a wonderful conversation. I'll just encourage everyone listening that, you know, 2021 was a volatile and disruptive year. And I'm telling everyone 2022 is going to be more volatile and more disruptive, but don't let that discourage you. That's massive opportunity. And so think about that and seize that opportunity. This is your year to take action as Dimple was just saying. So take that action, even if it's imperfect, it's going to be a wonderful thing for you. And there's just so much at stake for this year that you can accomplish and achieve with that. If you want to get connected, you can find me on my website, timparkin.com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Tim Parkin. But also, I want to share with your audience, if I may, my vault, which is all of my videos and templates and worksheets and playbooks and tons of IP. So if you want that, you can just text me, text the word GROW to 844-311-3200. I'll get that over to you. And again, it's all free, no sales pitch. Just want to share everything I've learned. It's the same stuff I share with my clients. I love that. And I'm sure our audience would love to take advantage of that. 
So we'll put it in the show notes as well. And Tim, thank you so much. And we will see you on a future episode. Thanks for being a guest today. Thank you for listening to the Mesmerizing Marketing Podcast. If you found this episode valuable, please subscribe to the show so you don't ever miss an episode. And also share it with your friends. Dimple would be so grateful if you could take a minute to leave a review and visit the podcast website to check out all the latest episodes at www.mesmerizingmarketingpodcast.com. That's www.mesmerizingmarketingpodcast.com. And follow Dimple on Clubhouse. Her handle is Marketing Expert. And also join her Mesmerizing Marketing Club also on Clubhouse for live rooms on top marketing strategies for entrepreneurs and business owners who want to mesmerize their marketing. 